Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the opposition accuses Justin Trudeau of not taking problems with China seriously. After unlawfully imprisoning two Canadians, after putting blocks on our exports of canola and other products, this Prime Minister still has not stood up for Canadians. Will a NAFTA bill be tabled before the end of the year? That's a decision for the uh, for the House leader to take. We're looking at that right now. We're looking at the remaining days in the, in the calendar. Uh, but I have assured uh, both the President of the United States and the President of Mexico uh, personally that we will proceed with ratification as quickly as we can. And Jason Kenney launches a war room aimed at promoting what he says is the truth about the energy industry. We are going to begin systematically through the Canadian Energy Centre to respond to a highly coordinated and largely foreign-funded campaign to landlock Canada's responsibly produced resources. It's Thursday, December 12th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. Good morning, John. Morning, Mark. So yesterday, the Conservatives kept up the pressure on the Liberal government on uh, the issue of China. And uh, it's noteworthy, of course, that this week uh, the government lost a vote on that. So the Prime Minister has very much been on the defensive this week when it comes to the effort to resolve the dispute with China that has led to two Canadians being detained there now more for, uh, for more than a year. Right. I, I thought this was significant in that, well, for one thing, um, the polls suggest that Trudeau is very vulnerable on this subject. People don't think that he's handled the China issue very well, and I would agree with them. I mean, I think uh, you know initially it was this optimism that we could strike a free trade deal with China. So, you know, he, he raised the bar on um, uh, scrutinising foreign takeovers by Chinese companies. He waved through a couple of takeovers that were uh, at the national security organisations opposed. Um, and then, of course, the, the free trade deal negotiations didn't happen. So I think he's been way too close to China, and and you know then we've seen the, the relationship unravel with the, uh, the detention of, the, of Michael Sparber and Michael Kovrig. Um, so Canadians are not happy with that. But I think more importantly than that, almost was the was the the, the defeat for the government in the first vote in the forty third Parliament. The Conservatives proposed this motion to set up this special committee on Canada-China relations and were backed by the the bloc and the NDP, and so the, the government was defeated. This, I think, tells the, the, the government that they are no longer the masters of their own destiny. Um, Jack Harris, the veteran NDP MP, who was out of the, the House for four years, but happily he's back, he's a very good MP, you know, he said this is precisely the kind of collaboration Canadians voted for in the fall election. You know, the Canadian public, in its wisdom, said that the Liberals should not have a majority. There should, be, there should be a better balance and an opportunity to cooperate. And that's what's happened. And I think we're going to see that time and time again. This has set the tone for the 43rd Parliament. The government is not going to get its own way. Is the government going to introduce a, a new free trade deal, uh, a bill about the new free trade deal with uh, Mexico and the United States before the end of the year, which is tomorrow, basically, in parliamentary terms? Yeah, I mean, that's such a tight deadline. It seems very hard for me to see how that could happen. I talked to people yesterday in the government house leader's office. Uh, I mean, they're still in complete disarray. It's, it strikes me as being too tight a deadline. I mean, MPs start leaving for home. Well, many of them leave after on Wednesday. Some of them, uh, many more leave after question period on Thursday. 
Um, you know, obviously they could be requested to stay, but it's it's a pretty tight deadline. Um, again, they could be called back in January before Parliament Parliament is meant to resume. Uh, that seems to be more likely, but I, I think there's no decision taken yet. The Prime Minister indicated they were looking at it. Um, they may find that it's just logistically too tight. Since we're talking about NAFTA, it's worth pointing out there's a story this morning that uh, reveals Donald Trump was not happy and lashed out in a meeting with uh, diplomats uh, shortly after the NATO conference at which Justin Trudeau and other world leaders were caught on camera mocking the U.S. president. Uh, so it's if we didn't know already, we now know just how seriously Donald Trump took that moment. Right. I mean, I think this will probably... The whole incident will go down in, in political folklore as one of those uh, um, moments that crystallise the relationship. And you know, as we, we you know we talk about the, the poor relationship between, um, I guess, Stephen Baker and Kennedy, between Pearson and and and, um, and Johnson, between Nixon and Trudeau. I think this is one of the incidents that people will look back on and say this was how bad things got between Trump and, and Trudeau. And there are real-world implications to that. I mean, as Erin O'Toole, the Conservative foreign affairs critic, pointed out in the debate on this Canada-China special committee, he said, you know, we've just upset the one person who might be able to help us in leverage with the Chinese on the, the case of the two Michaels. So, you know, being uh, Donald Trump, he also lashed out at um, President Macron in, uh, in uh, of France, but, you know, being Trump's whipping boy is not good public relations. I mean, we, the, the job of prime minister is to keep the country together, to get the economy running and to get on well with the U.S. That's pretty much it. Yeah, it didn't stop uh, NAFTA from moving forward, though, right? So obviously, on a practical level, the, the relationship was still able to advance that file. Well, I, you know, I mean, I think that Tr- uh, Trudeau handled Trump pretty well in the first maybe three years of uh, of him, well, the first two years of Trump being president. Um, you know, if we were where we are now in the middle of negotiations, I'm not so sure that deal would have got done. Hmm. You know, that, that the relationship has deteriorated since the time when the deal was struck. Let's talk about Jason Kenney for a moment. The Alberta Premier was in Ottawa earlier this week. He's gone back home to Alberta uh, he said the next few weeks are critical in terms of the relationship between his government and the federal government. And now he's effectively launched a war room that is aimed at promoting what he describes as the as the truth about the energy industry. Uh, this is a government-funded organization, arm's length, though, that's supposed to share information. Uh, and uh, this is all part of his campaign to fight for Alberta's interests. Uh, how do you think this is going to play out? nervous about any government which claims it's got a monopoly on the truth. Um, you know, I understand that they, they, they feel under siege there, that, that uh, foreign organizations have bombarded uh, activists and protesters with, with false information. And there may be an element of being able to redress that. But I mean, the government's got a very large, all governments, but particularly government, Canadian governments have got um, large PR machines that they can employ in this regard. I think they're spending $30 million on this thing. It will be bigger, than I'm sure, than any newsroom in uh, in Western Canada. Um, you know, I think what's really 
more pertinent here is that, that Kenny has to find external people to blame uh, all the time. There has to be somebody to blame externally. And he, he sent out a tweet last week about European leaders being to blame. He, he tries to deflect some of the blame on onto to Ottawa. You know, the bottom line is that as the world moves towards cleaner energy, um, Canadian energy is, hard, is expensive to extract and it creates a lot of emissions comparative to other countries. I mean, the, the data on that is pretty conclusive. You know, and it, Saudi Arabia is often the whipping boy here, but Saudi Arabia produces a barrel of oil for about $3. And it's far, because it's much easier to extract, it's far cleaner than the oil that's, that's extracted in, in Alberta. As the world moves towards cleaner energy sources, Canada's oil is in a real battle to to be um, price effective and price competitive, and at the same time green enough for uh, for uh, for people to buy it, that is the real problem. Kenny knows that, but he's deflecting. Meanwhile, New Brunswick's proposal for a carbon tax has been accepted by the federal government. So I guess that's another box ticked for. Justin Trudeau's government in trying to get carbon taxes uh, imposed across the country. Yeah, I think that uh, this was a pretty smart move by the federal government. They've kind of uh, divided and conquered. Uh, I mean, there were four conservative governments who were arraigned against them in the uh, uh, in court against the carbon taxes. These were the four provinces that were going to have the, the federal backstop uh, imposed on it. Um, the federal backstop would have imposed a 4.4 cent a litre provincial carbon tax, but the federal government has accepted that New Brunswick will instead impose its own tax, which I think is three cents. So they've they've accepted that New Brunswick is going to take its own steps, and they, these are acceptable. At least they're acceptable for now. And the federal carbon tax is, is due to increase every year um, going forward. It's not clear that New Brunswick's tax will do the same. But it looks like there is peace between New Brunswick and and the federal government at this stage. I don't think the New Brunswick has said that it's, uh, it is not going to be an intervener in this court case. I mean, it may still well want to be. But the bottom line is that for now, um, the federal government has accepted that this provincial government is going to be in charge of its own climate policy. And I think that that's what most provinces want, and uh, it's probably what the federal government wants as well, to be honest, because otherwise they're going to be in conflict every year as they raise the carbon tax. All right, John, we're counting down to uh, the end of this very short parliamentary session. Uh, It wraps up, we expect, tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us with your thoughts today. Okay, Mark, thank you. That's John Iveson of the National Post. This House voted to take the crisis between Canada and the government of China seriously by establishing a special committee to look at all aspects of this government's handling of that relationship. Now, here's what political columnists, commentators and editorialists are writing about today. In the National Post, Terry Glavin asks if Parliament has finally wised up when it comes to China. Glavin writes... The crisis, set off by Beijing's abduction of Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor last December, has caused the public and quite a few politicians, ordinarily preoccupied by more parochial matters, 
to sit up and pay proper attention. There's finally some sunlight making its way into the ordinarily occluded places where the China lobby is long accustomed to operating out of sight. And what that sunlight threatens to expose will not be pretty. At globalnews.ca, Bill Kelly argues it's time for Canada and China to make a deal. Kelly writes, Any deal to obtain the release of Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor would most certainly involve Meng Wanzhou's release, and that's sure to cause some consternation among Canadian and American officials. But the fact is, Kovrig and Spavor are collateral damage in a diplomatic shootout between China and the United States, and that is not our fight. It's past time for the Canadian government to end this diplomatic lunacy and bring them home. At iPolitics, Graham Thompson considers Jason Kenney's war room. Thompson writes, Kenney says the goal is to spin a positive message about Alberta's energy industry, but there is an ominous side to the Canadian Energy Centre. It has been set up as a private corporation, so it does not fall under freedom of information laws. The government says this is so the province's enemies cannot use the information to further undermine Alberta's energy. But it also makes it much more difficult for Albertans to hold the war room to account. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Federal Court of Appeal will hear a case today involving the ethics watchdog Democracy Watch, Canada's lobbying commissioner, and Justin Trudeau's trips to the Aga Khan's private Bahamian island. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on the controversy that just won't go away. Mark, this spring, the ethics group Democracy Watch scored a major victory when the federal court ruled that Canada's lobbying commissioner didn't properly interpret Canada's federal lobbying law when she found that Prime Minister Trudeau had not violated any lobbying rules when he accepted free gifts of holidays in 2016 and 2018 at the Aga Khan's luxury island in the Caribbean. The accusation had been that Prime Minister Trudeau put himself in a position of conflict of interest and potentially violated the Lobbyist Act when he accepted gifts from the Aga Khan, whose foundation regularly lobbied the federal government and received federal funding. Then Commissioner Karen Shepard ruled that Prime Minister Trudeau was not in violation because the Aga Khan was not directly involved in the lobbying the federal government, but he was just the chair of the foundation which received federal funding. Well, last April, the federal court ruled that the former lobbying commissioner had used a far too narrow interpretation of the lobbying act. It ordered the commissioner, and there's now a new one, to take a second look into the accusations with a much wider consideration of the lobbyist act. Ottawa is fighting and appealing that ruling. The federal government will have its day in court today at the Federal Court of Appeal, challenging Democracy Watch and the federal court's ruling about the now infamous Aga Khan Island holidays. Thanks, Martin. Also today, Foreign Affairs Minister François-Philippe Champagne will hold a media teleconference following his visit to Germany and Egypt. And Governor-General Julie Payette will present the 2019 Governor-General's Literary Awards at Rideau Hall. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, December 12th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC. For coverage of all the day's events, our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.